Welcome back to another episode of GEMS Podcast with Genesis Amaris Kemp, where the core pillars are to educate, inspire, and motivate. Sit back, relax, and enjoy this segment. Hey, family, and welcome back to another episode here on GEMS Podcast. I'm your host and founder, Miss Genesis Lamaris Kemp, and with me today is Daniel Leviskin. And here's a bit about Daniel. He is definitely multifaceted, but he is the founder and CEO of Topia, a fully customizable spatial-based virtual gathering platform that launched in May 2020. His journey with technology and entrepreneurship began at an early age and took him from Wall Street to Silicon Valley and now LA baby. Born in White Plains, New York, he watched and learned from his dad who commuted to the city every day where he ran a financial services firm and invented technology platforms for the insurance industry. Daniel's first startup at the age of eight was trading, buying, and selling baseball cards on the appraised value in Topps magazines. He taught himself Q-Basics and experimented with hacking on games like Nibble, Nimbles. Um, by the time Daniel was in high school, he was creating games in Java and websites for his friends and his entrepreneurial endeavors. He attended Leia University in Pennsylvania, where he started and led the Real Estate Investment Club. He's gone on to do other incredible things, but I don't want to bore you with that. So let's bring on the man behind it all, Daniel Liebeskin. Yay. Hi, Genesis. Thanks for having me here. Very exciting. It's nice um, to be talking to an expert because I was like, man, just kind of skimming over your bio, you've done a bunch of stuff. And I did not cover everything. So go ahead and give us some fun and interesting facts about yourself. And if we have time, we can play a rapid fire game if you're interested. All right. Yeah, always down for a rapid fire game. Um, so, you know, you called me an expert. I would actually say that my life has been defined in many ways by intentionally seeking not to be an expert in any one thing. Uh, and I think of, you know, myself like um, uh, my life is a little bit like a video game where I'm trying to acquire skills, go down different uh, paths. And, you know, especially when I was young and, and I advise young people this all the time, but like your goal when you're young is to just push yourself as hard as you can to be uncomfortable, to learn new things. Um, and I very much did that and, you know, changed careers basically every two years, um, learned to code and built 25 different uh, platforms or applications over, um, you know, basically a decade. And, uh, you know, now I've founded and, and created Topia, which has been a long time coming. It's kind of been my life's work, my, my passion. It's a community platform. It's a way to bring people together. Um, it's a whole creator ecosystem. We hosted Virtual Burning Man in 2020 and, and 2021. Um, and, you know, it's, uh, it's, yeah, it's just a culmination of a lot of things that I'm very deeply interested in. But, as CEO, you know, really your job is to not be super specialized in any one thing, but be really good at a lot of different things. And you know, I'm only really able to do that because I very intentionally uh, prevented myself from becoming an expert. Super cool. And so 
we're going to definitely dive into that and learn why you're so passionate about the areas that make you multidimensional, but also multifaceted. But I want to jump into the rapid fire um, game because then we'll actually get to know a little bit more of who Daniel is um, beyond the surface level. So are you ready, Daniel? Let's do it. Sounds great. <laughs> Question number one, if you could donate to any charity, what would it be? Donate to any charity. Well, um, breast cancer has actually affected my life in many different ways. My mom uh, passed away when I was 17 uh, from it. And, and uh, other members of my family have also uh, have gone through that. So I would say, uh, you know, Susan B. Komen, breast cancer awareness, um, you know, and, and education uh, is something that I'm very passionate about. And early prevention um, or early detection, you know, helping educate people on how to uh, you know, self-check themselves for really common types of cancer, like testicular and, and breast, um, something I'm passionate about. So I would say that. Amazing. Two, are you an Apple or Android? Apple. Oh, yep. I can see the AirPods. <laughs> <laughs> Three, if you could hop in a time machine and go back into time and give your younger self a piece of advice, what would it be? I would say um, probably stick with actually probably invest more in uh, in being more artistic, design oriented. I think it's one of my one of my weaknesses right now is that I'm really good at programming. I'm you know I understand a lot of different things. I've worn a lot of different hats, but the one hat that I've not worn is design and and like deep art artistry um, and it would really help a lot uh, in in the way that I see the world. Four, favorite color. That has changed throughout my life. Right now, I would say it's green. Okay. Started as yellow when I was a kid. Uh, and, and red has been in there. Blue, I felt like obligated to like as, as a teenager. Um, but yeah, right now it's, it's probably green. Five, dream car. Um, I, I always, every time I see a Mustang, I pointed out as look at that amazing car. I was actually in somebody's like Aston Martin once and uh, a, a Mustang drove by and I was like, wow, look at that car. And he looked at me like with disbelief that, um, so I, I think it's gotta be, I think it's gotta be a Mustang. Okay. And that's definitely attainable within reach. Um, my car is a Lamborghini and I want it super customizable, black on black, blue neon lights, butterfly or suicide doors. And I definitely have to have the top of the line with the highest RPMs. I love that. That's great. <laughs> Lambos. Yes. Six. If you could have lunch or dinner with anyone living or dead, who would it be and why? Ben Franklin. I think he, um, I'm sure he had all sorts of flaws that I'm not aware of, but uh, just an incredible inventor, statesman, diplomat, experience junkie in some ways, which I consider myself, you know, pushing himself to just have a lot of different careers, a lot of different paths. Um, I just would love to have a conversation, see what makes him tick. Seven, what makes Daniel Liebeskin unique? Ooh, man. Um, I think I can zoom in and out really fast. So uh, I can be at a 30,000 30, foot view, um, being visionary, thinking about the big picture, and then go right down into the weeds of exactly, you know, what line of code we would not need to write and speaking out pseudocode on, on how to, you know, get to that path. And that's kind of what I specialized in as a, when I was running a dev shop is 
you know, imagining what, you know, imagining with a client, like what we could potentially build and then work backwards to actually then figure out exactly how to build it and then building it. It's pretty unique. That is unique. Eight. If you could go anywhere in the world, Daniel, and money was no option, and here's the kicker, you just found out that they're no longer traveling back to your home base, where would you go? My intuition was Thailand or Bali. I actually lived there for a couple of years as a digital nomad, but it is really hot, and there's kind of a glass ceiling there. It's hard, you know, you have, you have a particular type of community, but it's actually very homogenous. Um, and there's not a lot of um, access to people that are doing all sorts of different kinds of things. So, you know, that's my first reaction. So maybe I'll go with that. But um, maybe somewhere in Europe is actually the real answer. Okay. Nice. Although LA is pretty great. I might just stay here. <laughs> <laughs> I've never been to LA, but there's quite a big um, following in LA in the podcast space. So like that's on my list to go. But I'm trying to go more out of the U.S. first, and then I'll come back and do the U.S. later on. Yeah, I've, I've visited a lot of places all over the world, um, especially when I was sort of nomadically just building things. And I really like L.A. I came back here very intentionally. Cool. <laughs> you could definitely rock with my sister. She loves all things California to the point where she even named her, her daughter Callie, C-A-L-I. Oh, love that. <laughs> So nine, if you could have any superpower, what would it be? I dream of flying all the time. It's my most common recurring dream. So I would have to say that. I just, I love the feeling of like soaring. And I have this thing where like I'm standing still and I can just levitate and and kind of just soar above everything. And everybody's always really shocked that I can do it in the dream. Um, so I would, I would love to manifest that even just once. I don't need to have a permanent superpower. Just fly once would be sweet. Super cool. <laughs> when I was in Vegas, I saw Chris Angel um, levitate somebody. And I was like, this is complete BS. But then until my husband nominated me to go on stage with Chris Angel, I literally almost freaked out and bust my A because they were, he asked like, what are you afraid of? And I was like, spiders and this big A tarantula just started crawling. And I was like, oh shoot. And almost like flipped over the chair. That's crazy. And then pass or play. So if you play, I ask one last question. If you pass, our roles get reversed for a bit and you can ask me a question. Do you want to pass or do you want to play? I'll play. Sure. Okay. So if you could go and recreate any significant moment in your life, Daniel, what would that be? Recreate. Wow. Um, you know, I'm going to go with my intuition, uh, which is challenging, but um, this isn't necessarily a good moment of my life, but just one that I wish I could revisit um, and do do a little bit differently. Uh, as I said, you know, I used to never really talk about this, but I'm being more open about it. my mom passed away when I was 17. Um, and I was really rebellious as a teenager. And so leading up to that, and it was kind of a long, you know, it was, it was, breast cancer, she dealt with it um, for a long time. But leading up to that, I was kind of aloof and rebellious and out partying and hanging out with friends and, you know, doing my whole thing. And I, I do wish that I could recreate that time period so that I could actually spend more time learning from her and just understanding her. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I kind of have regrets that I've been living with around not 
being more there during that moment. I respect that. Um, I lost my dad. It'll be two years this November. And the one thing I regret is like whenever my dad would want more hugs, um, even though I was mad at him, like I wish I would have gave him those more hugs because there was like one day we got in a really big like argument and I would tell people my dad and I would fight like cats and dogs but then on the flip side we would be like two peas in a pod and when he got paralyzed due to medical negligence after being in the hospital for three days I was like oh my gosh like you take certain things for granted until you no longer have them within your reach so thanks for sharing that and I commend you for being more open about it because that is definitely a strength when you could talk about those vulnerable points in your life Mm. so so thank you for playing a rapid fire with genesis (laughs) that was fun let's jump into your business topia why the name topia and what led you to starting this business so topia is really all about empowering creators um group organizers really anybody that wants to bring people together to actually create their own space, their own utopias, if you will, and, um, and, and bring people together inside of social experiences. And so it's kind of a play on the, on the word utopia. Um, it just also has a nice ring to it. Um, and it's fun. I didn't actually come up with the name. Um, one of my, my allies did. Um, it was kind of a collaboration. Um, but, you know, it was early on. I actually originally called Topia immersive, I think I am E R S I V and uh, everybody was like, you, you can't call it that. Um, but that's, you know, that's, uh, and, and, and that name actually started many years ago. Um, so Topia is something that I've been planning for like five years. Um, and my plan was over the 2020s to basically build a collaborative social experience engine in virtual reality, use, uh, Web3, Bitcoin Lightning Rails to make it so that people could collaboratively create these social experiences and then others would uh, would you know experience them together with, with other people and pay microtransactions basically for the time that they were spending in them. That was the original idea. Uh, and I built it as a VR platform. I had a separate Bitcoin Lightning game. And uh, basically when the pandemic hit, I decided to, um, that I didn't have like a decade to build this thing out, um, which, you know, this idea of the metaverse. Um, and you know, that people actually really needed it right now. And I was even, there was writing on the walls that things like, um, things like, um, Burning Man, were going to desperately sort of need these kinds of experiences. And so, um, you know, threw it all out, started from scratch with browser-based application. Um, and in three weeks, we had our first event from the first line of code. Cause it's again, kind of what I specialize in is like managing this whole thing, building from scratch. We launched in public after three weeks. Um, our first line of code anniversary was actually April 25th. So it just passed four days ago, which is pretty cool. Um, two, year, two years and four days now um, since first line of code was committed. And, um, you know, then we, we landed Burning Man. We had that event. Um, us, you know, we've had a lot of different, we have hundreds of events every week. Um, you know, tens of thousands of people using it on a monthly basis. And yeah, that's kind of that journey. 
super, super cool. And I'm glad that they told you like, hey, that name immersive is not going to cut it. But then you mentioned that your ally actually came up with the name Topia and you ran with it. So I think that's also commendable too, because sometimes people don't always listen to their allies. So I think that's really cool. And congratulations on the anniversary since you code it. So did you get your degree in coding or was it something that you just learned along the way? So when I was a kid, I taught myself programming. I programmed in QBasic and built games in Java. I was always a big gamer and built websites for people. And then in college, I actually was undergrad uh, bachelor in science, I think of finance. And I went into investment banking. So I was at Lehman Brothers uh, and then Barclays. And then I was a VC investor, a late stage VC investor at a firm called Summit Partners. And from there, I quit finance um, where I'd worn a lot of different hats and I understand accounting and, you know, financial modeling and um, had talked to a lot of entrepreneurs in my VC-ish role. And from there, I just left, went to a coding boot camp called Hack Reactor, uh, lived and breathed code for like three months and just started building things from there. I had my first metaverse startup uh, in 2015. It's called Body. It was a way for fitness instructors to create their own virtual fitness studios and teach live interactive classes they could see the participants and participants could see each other. So that was seven years ago now. And using a lot of the same technology really ignited my passion for the idea of the internet evolving into something that's more real time and a better way to bring people together and empower creators. In the case in 2015, it was fitness instructors as the creators. Now it's artists, comedians, really any, uh, you know, even visual designers, experienced designers, uh, organizers are all creators to me. Super, super cool. So lots of technology influence and then definitely going through career transitions and pivoting there. And I think all of the knowledge that you acquired over the over time has definitely helped where helped you with where you are because people uh, fail to realize that what you acquire, you could always use it in the area that you are in later on in life, uh, whether you realize it or not. And since you love video games, have you thought about blending Topia and just mixing it a little bit with esports? Because that's a huge industry. Yeah, we have a lot of Twitch streamers that are actually streaming. So you can stream Twitch directly into Topia world. And so instead of being on Twitch and just writing text to each other and sending emotes, you can be watching the Twitch stream with other people and hanging out. Like you and I could be having this conversation while we're watching a Twitch streamer or even multiple Twitch streamer streamers uh, simultaneously inside of a world. And we have a lot of people doing that sort of thing. Pretty okay. cool. That is yeah. super cool. Um, oh, this is another good question. So with Topia, what are some of the challenges that you ran up against or those roadblocks and how has it made you more successful as a CEO personally and professionally? So many challenges, where to even begin. I think trying to figure out how to distribute. I'm really good at building product. I'm less focused on building distribution. And so I think for any company, any startup, any technology, you know, you're both building a product and figuring out how to distribute it. Um, they're the two fundamental pillars, right? And then operations really supports your ability to build product and distribute it. Um, and so we really focused heavily on building the product and de-emphasized distributing it. And it's been a little bit of a journey. You know, we had a, a, a flywheel of people having events, bringing people in, bringing hundreds of people. Some percentage of those people went and created their own events, brought more people in, but still we had no engine. We weren't building a distribution product. And so 
my advice to people is you will eventually need to figure out how to distribute. And it's way better if you build it in parallel and have a game plan for exactly how you're going to distribute this thing or how you're going to experiment with distribution and actually building that out as its own engine, as its own product, as you're building the product. Um, and so, you know, that's, that's been a challenge scaling company, you know, um, managing people, empowering people, making sure that, you know, everybody knows what their roles and responsibilities are going to be. Um, and, you know, evolving those, um, having mobility when, when things aren't working out. I think we've done a really good job with that, but it's, it's hard. You know, it's uh, the entrepreneur's path is definitely not an easy one and not one I'd recommend for people unless it's just what you need to do. And for me, it was always um, not something I even sought. It was just, um, you know, I, I, I really found no other path uh, for myself. And thank you for sharing that because, and the reason why I asked that question is people need to realize that no matter where you are in your entrepreneurship journey, or if maybe you're still in corporate America, you're always going to face challenges, but how you react to those challenges is what's going to set you up for success and how you take the take the failures as a learning and build and grow from that to keep the momentum going. I think that's very important because sometimes people look at successful people and they put you on a pedestal, but they fail to realize that you did have challenges and struggles um, that allowed you to get to the level that you are along the way and you just learn and grow from them. I think it's very lucky to get it right on your first or second or third try. It's a little bit like the Beatles right? It seems like they came out of nowhere and created all this music in three years. They really spent a decade um, getting to that point. And, you know, the 10,000 hour rule from like Malcolm Gladwell, you know, then they got to the point where they were creating all this incredible stuff. I think that's true of an entrepreneur. Too. I've built so many different products that have failed. Um, I've failed countless times and, you know, to succeed in, in this game, you either get really lucky and get it right your first time, or you have to just be okay with failing over and over and over again. Um, and figure out how to make it work. You know, for me, like I lived abroad because it was cheap and, um, you know, for various other reasons. And, you know, I had a dev shop and got people to pay me money to build things when that's not really what I wanted to do. I wanted to build things, but, you know, I just kind of kept doing it. And it took me a decade to get to a point where I was good enough at it that um, I wouldn't just fail right off the bat, basically. And then in your line of work, who are some of your competitors and what makes you stand out to give yourself and your business a competitive advantage? Well, we have a lot of competitors. You know, we're basically in the metaverse space. When we first started, there were no competitors. Uh, now, overnight, sort of everybody's competing. But uh, to go fast in this space and just the way that most people are architecting, um, when you think about like Facebook, you know, Facebook changing its name to Meta, they're kind of a competitor. Um, so just taking them as an example and, and others in the space, they, they're all building server-based architectures. So what that means is that whenever you're connecting um, over uh, audio and video, even through Zoom or anything, it's all streaming through a server. Um, and that server is doing a bunch of processing, which can include downloading, you know, saving, transcribing everything that's being said, um, and so you might be like hanging out with your friends in a metaverse space, thinking that your private conversations are private, but they're really not. They're going through a server. They can be transcribed. If you're an ad-based model, as many in the industry are, uh, the transcription of what you're saying intimately with your friends is really valuable to serve you even more targeted ads. Um, Topia, on the other hand, we've built it to be uh, all end-to-end -end encrypted 
uh, peer-to-peer WebRTC. And so what that means is that instead of a server, we're serverless architecture. All the audio and video is going directly through an encrypted tunnel between two people's devices. It's very hard to build. Um, and there are some challenges with it, but um, we are like the anti, uh, we're, we're like the privacy oriented uh, metaverse platform. And that allows us to um, basically ensure privacy, guarantee safety and, and security that way. But also it creates a huge amount of scalability for us where um, we can bring thousands or potentially even millions of people into an experience um, at a very, very affordable uh, rate. Hmm. Thank you for sharing that. That's very, very interesting. Some of the terms went over my head. So I like how you bro- like how you broke them, broke them down. Cause I tell people like, that's not my forte, but you're the expert. But if you were to talk, ask me about oil and gas, I could tell you about that. Cause I spent 12 years there. Um, so now Daniel, we're going to jump into our call to action segment. So when you think about all of the things that you've said so far in this short amount of time, what do you want the audience to do? Like what action step do you want them to take? What challenge do you have for them? Or where do you want to drive them to connect with you, whether it's your website or social media? So I would say that this whole real-time internet, the whole metaverse thing is going to happen. It's not a question of if, but a question of how. And I would encourage people to vote with their feet and go to platforms that are not trying to replace the real world. Ready Player One is a dystopian outcome, right? We should not be trying to replace the world. We should be trying to uh, enhance access for communities to be global, diverse, those kinds of things. And so, um, you know, go towards platforms that are uh, not trying to replace the real world and that are giving you privacy and not just uh, consuming you as a data point. Um, and, you know, the, the action step I would say is the metaverse is here right now. Go to topia.io or really any of these metaverse platforms and try it out. You can get started for free. You can have up to 25 people at a time, have a birthday party in there. There's templates you can customize. You can put like photo booths or video reels, whatever you want. And, uh, you know, it's a little bit like the early internet and trying out email as it's coming. You're either going to like know how to use these things once they become really relevant and and, and necessary for your job and for your personal life, or you're going to be learning about it in the moment and it's going to be a little bit overwhelming. So there's a huge benefit to just start and get dip your toe into the water right now. And Daniel, how can they connect with you on social media? Uh, So Twitter is probably the easiest place. I'm D Liebeskind, which will go in the in the notes, I'm sure uh, on Instagram, I am Explore Magic. I don't really keep that up that much, but you can catch me uh, with me there. And uh, you know, if you if you want, create a Topia world, send me a link, and I'll jump in there. We can hang out. Awesome. I don't know why it just reminds me of this new um, phenomena. Candy Topia is what came to mind whenever I keep hearing you say Topia. Um, so thank you so much, Daniel, for just coming on here and educating the audience. And I am definitely going to have all of your contact information in the show notes. So listeners and viewers, make sure you go check out topia.io and see how you like it. Give Daniel some feedback and just play around with it and just have a good time. Um, We are on a 40 plus platform. So definitely there's a spot for wherever you're listening. You can see all video components on YouTube at Gems with Genesis Amaris Kemp. And lastly, but not least, we are actually looking for brand sponsors where the mission behind Gems is 
is to educate, inspire, and motivate while we bridge the gap for diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging, because it takes all of us together to make these synergies and leave this world better than we found it. So until next time, peace, love, and lots of blessings. Go out and have yourself a magnificent day and learn something new. Remember, if you're not learning, you're not growing. Thank you for listening to another segment of GEMS Podcast. Hope you enjoyed this recording. Make sure you like, comment, share, and subscribe to GEMS Podcast on your audio platform, as well as our YouTube channel, GEMS with Genesis Mars Kemp. We would love for you to be a sponsor, so please reach out via email at GEMS, G-E-M-S, with W-I-T-H, Genesis, G-E-N-E-S-I-S, Amaris, A-M-A-R-I-S, Kemp, K-E-M-P, at gmail.com, where your brand, your swag, your services can be here on GEMS Podcast.